Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. I am Trey Downey, the Downey half of this dynamic duo is with you every single week. And on the other side, he's clanging and banging. He's shadow boxing. He is, he's doing it all. I, I mean, now they're calling Leonard Fournette Thursday night Lenny. People are saying he's going to get a long-term contract. So he's long-term Lenny, but long-term friend of mine, the one and only Lynn Martez. Look at that. I'm impressed. That sounded really good. But I, I am, I am, I'm in a mood, man. I don't know why. I was why. just waiting for you to pass me. <laughs> I'm in a mood. I'm, I'm definitely in a mood. It might be because the Bucks are finally going to be playing at home after uh, having their last road game in, in uh, that Thursday night game in Lincoln Financial Field back home. And I say back home because for the next five after this week are road. You got the buy and you got some road games. So uh, the Bucks being home this Sunday versus the Bears, 425, is a good thing. Need to pile up those wins, though, because you start looking around their conference, and at 5-1, and one, you still don't have the best record in the NFC. And, and you're not that. alone. And yeah. you're not alone with that 5-1. and one. We'll get to that team who does have the best record in the NFC don't later. Smile at, don't smile at me. Night. Don't smile at me like that because you thought they were, the, the cards were going to lose too. Yeah. Week. No, no, no. And yeah. I even thought, and I, smile and I, your face. And I thought, yeah. And I thought so. And I thought so. And I thought so even more. If you had told me the running backs in the deck on two thirds of the offensive line was going to be out, that's my fault. That's my bad. My bad. I'm not blaming anyone. That was they, my bad. My bad. I picked. The Browns to beat the Cardinals, not knowing, had a moment, not knowing that two linemen were going to be out, offensive linemen were going to be out, and they were going to be missing at least uh, Nick Chubb. Well, and Arizona didn't have their head coach either. So, I mean, um, man, that's it's a big part of it. Yeah, but whatever. We will get to we will get yeah, to that we'll later get in the show, and we'll and we'll see if. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals have finally made Lynn Martez a believer based on that. I don't really think so just yeah. yet. If you listened to last week's show, you already heard our conversation coming off of the Buccaneers and Eagles game as we recorded on Friday last week after the game. So not a ton to look back at as far as that goes. We started to preview this weekend's matchup with the Bears, and that's what we will do today before looking ahead at the rest of the NFC slate for this weekend, as we usually do. Your quick social reminder at the top of the show, follow Lynn on Twitter at LMart810. Follow myself on Twitter at TD Experience, and follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. You never know when we'll pop in for a little bit of pregame action. We've been on Twitter spaces. We've been on videos. So always a good follow is Bucks Nation. And check out BucksNation.com on a daily basis for your latest and greatest on your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, Lynn, let's get into it. I said not a ton more to look back at. We already did that last week in terms of that Eagles game. The Bucs win 28-22, improve to 5-1. and one. And with what's going on in, in their division right now and the collapse of the Carolina Panthers, Saints are inconsistent. We never thought there'd be too much trouble for the division, but they are in great position in the NFC South. It's just a matter of keeping pace with the other top 
teams in the NFC, especially the one that they already lost to. But let's look ahead to this weekend in the Chicago Bears. And the Chicago Bears, especially by me, have been much maligned all season, but they are not completely out of it when it comes to the playoff race and them getting in there as as a wild card, like they were able to do, like they snuck in there last year. And going into the Bears game last year, if we were talking about it, we probably would have said the same thing. We think that the Bucs and their weapons on offense should be able to score, even though Chicago has good pieces on defense and that the Bears shouldn't be able to keep up. And then we all saw what happened last year, Bucks versus Bears, where it was Mitchell Trubisky, not Justin Fields. Even though I think Justin Fields is, uh, is a better player than Trubisky, he is younger than Trubisky, and we all know what Todd Bowles likes to do against rookie quarterbacks. But I'll say this going into this weekend, I think that what they faced last week in the Eagles and the threat of Jalen Hurts running the football, I think that that was a good precursor to what they're going to face this weekend against Chicago. I know you said last week you, you're worried about Allen Robinson, but if you look at the numbers this year, even with a banged-up Bucks secondary, Robinson's not putting up the, the numbers that you would expect uh, one of the true number one receivers in the NFL to do. So I'm expecting a very similar game to what I saw against Philadelphia, but with the Bears offense not even having as much success as Philadelphia did. Yeah, let's back up a sec, though, because last year when these two teams played each other, there wasn't a running quarterback back there when the, the Bears beat the Bucks. It was Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. So that's no It was one. Foles, not Trubisky. I it misspoke was, there. Yep, it was Foles, and uh, yeah, that's that's a big deal when it came to the handshake. And Tom Brady, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if that, if anything else, that should remind us all who played quarterback mm-hmm. that yep. Thursday night, that Thursday night game. Yep. Besides that, when it comes to the Bears this year offensively, you're right. I mean, they averaged 246 net yards per game, and that's the worst in the NFL. And we can talk about them flip-flopping through quarterbacks and making a change and, and having only six games into the season. Bottom line is they don't move the ball very well, and they certainly don't do it very well through the air, whether it's Justin Fields or Andy Dalton. I mean, you're talking about averaging six yards a catch, and that's not a whole lot. That's not a whole lot. But I will say, when you're talking about the secondary and there's an opportunity here, I'm not saying a great one, but an opportunity for the Bears to take advantage of what the Bucs are putting out there these days when it comes to the secondary is concerned. No Richard Sherman again this week. Uh, Antoine Winfield will be back. He'll be playing on Sunday. He passed the uh, concussion protocol, so that's good. But the Bucs are still banged up back there. No Sherman for Bunting, no, uh, no Carlton Davis. And as I mentioned, no Richard Sherman. So you're still dealing with matchup issues when it comes to having your best corner that's active on a player who is potentially a Pro Bowl type player. Is he having a great season, Allen Robinson? Heck no. But part of the reason why he's not having a great season is not so much because of him. It's because who's throwing the football. And right now they don't throw it very well because of, again, who they have throwing the football. There was one game, one game that uh, Justin Fields did break 200, and that was against the Lions, a game that they actually won, the Bears won. Surprisingly enough, they've beaten a couple of teams with winning records. They've beaten the Bengals, and they've beaten the Raiders, and they won at, they won at Vegas. 
So again, it comes up every week when you're talking about a team like the Buccaneers who are five and one, who have been as dominant as they've been against other teams. I'm going to say it again. Offenses run 55 to 60 plays against you. Okay. They're going to have moments. And on Sunday, the Bears are going to have moments. It happens every week. It's just a matter of this Bucks team probably going to put up 30-plus points again on Sunday. And because of that, it's a wrap. Podcast sure. over. Podcast over. Let's go home. There's, there is no way to me that the Bears, minus, minus turnovers or special teams, uh, special team scores or something like that. There is no way that the Bears uh, that the Bears put up those kind of those kind of points against uh, against the Buccaneers on Sunday. It's just not going to happen. To me, the way that you said that the Eagles were going to beat the Bucks is how the Bears would have to beat them, and that is keep it a low scoring game and you know muck it up, make it an ugly game. Maybe get a couple of uh, scrambles out there with, uh, with Justin Fields. You don't know if, if you don't know if Jason Pierre Paul is going to go yet. He's listed as questionable, but he hasn't practiced the entire week. So, uh, it's a very interesting dynamic. I do think that having Antoine Winfield back, even though he's not a cornerback, I think that that helps this secondary immensely, even though I'm not hugely worried about what the bears are going to do in the past game is just going to be a matter of if the Bears and if Khalil Mack can get to Tom Brady. I think that that is that is the secret to them, you know, keeping this a low scoring game and them being able to possibly win, even though I don't think that they will. But when you still have one of the best pass rushers in the game and a Khalil Mack, who is a guy who has been known to possibly take over games, that's the Bears only hope. Uh, of uh, escaping Tampa with a victory and surprisingly moving to over 500 and only one game back of the Buccaneers. Yeah, when it comes to, you mentioned Antoine Winfield, and yes, he doesn't play cornerback, but when you get back starters like him, when you get Jordan Whitehead back, when you get Antoine Winfield back, what you're limiting is breakdowns in your secondary. Because you do have the younger players playing the corners, you want to have that experience as far as the safeties are concerned back there because, again, you don't want to have those breakdowns. When you start playing, if when Winfield was out and you started playing a younger safety back there and you have younger corners, you're more likely to have breakdowns, especially if you have a running quarterback who can buy extra time in the pocket or outside the pocket, more likely to have breakdowns in the secondary with the younger de- defensive backs back there and also with the quarterback who can buy extra time. But when you start putting the pieces back together, like Winfield back on Sunday, the possibilities of breakdowns in your secondary become less and less. So that's why it's a key. It doesn't necessarily have to play cornerback to keep you from having to, to keep you to having a solid game in this secondary this Sunday. Yeah, and then I I talked about Khalil Mack, but Khalil Mack's banged up as well. He's questionable with a with a foot injury. Akeem Hicks, another big part of their defense, questionable with a groin injury. And then Allen Robinson, who is a guy who you would typically favor in a matchup with Jamel Dean, not only has he had not had the greatest season, but he's questionable for playing on Sunday with an ankle injury. And then you've got Jimmy Graham, who Jimmy Graham is not what he was 
when he played for the Saints, but he's still a good red zone weapon and especially a, a safety valve for a young quarterback like uh, like Justin Fields. He was just placed on the COVID nineteen on the COVID nineteen list. So while the Bucks are coming into this game depleted, the Bears are too, and the Bears don't have the kind of depth that the Bucks have on both sides of the ball. And let me tell you something. You know what's medicine for your bad ankle? Knowing who you're going up against on Sunday. <laughs> and not to knock Jamel Dean, but it's it's probably one of the better matchups that Robinson will face in regards to having that advantage over a guy in the secondary all season long. Because if you think about it, for, for 17 games, he's going up against the number one corner. And the reality is, Jamel Dean, good player, but he's not the number one corner in the Buccaneers secondary when everyone is healthy. And because of that, once again, <laughs> Allen Robinson's ankle all of a sudden got a little bit better, got a little bit tough, tapered up a little bit more. I'll be okay on Sunday. And you better hope if you're the you better hope if you're the Bears that uh, Khalil Mack is able to go because Robert Quinn he's also on the COVID nineteen list as well. Eddie Goldman, another great member of their uh, defensive line, he's a nose tackle, so you don't expect him to get a ton of uh, direct pressure on Brady. He was banged up earlier in the season, but he is no longer on their inter- injury report. But like I said, those having those type of injuries, having a questionable Mac and having Quinn on the COVID-19 list that kind of takes away uh, some of what you possibly could be able to do to wreak havoc against the Buccaneers. Lynn, before we move on to talk about the rest of the NFL, I want to ask you about uh, one of the storylines this week. And that was the fact that the trade deadline is coming up. And let's back up a second. Can we back up a second? Go go ahead. Back, Back up to this game for a second, because for sure. For, for us to talk about Justin Fields, we can talk about the inability to throw the football. But one of the things... I that, think a lot of that is play calling in, it this, could be. in this Bears it could be. situation. Agreed, agreed, agreed. But what they've done over the last two games, as far as the Bears are concerned, is they've ran it successfully with uh, Killer Herbert, the kid from Virginia Tech. Six-round pick. Dynamic now, guy. Yes. He's, a, he's a shifty, speedy guy, returned kicks in Blacksburg. So that's a that's a dangerous guy. Everybody knows I'm a Virginia Tech homer. I thought the Bears got a steal in the sixth round. Again, 172 rushing yards the last two games, so they're giving him the football. Here's the thing, though. It may be the best thing they do offensively, meaning the Bears, and it might be just by default because they don't throw it very well. But, mm-hmm. but when you're the Bucks, who are – historically right now putting up numbers when it comes to allowing rushing yards per game, all of a sudden you got somewhat of a strength versus strength when these two teams meet on Sunday. Not only that, but not that the Bucks front seven needs any help, but the front seven all becomes all of a sudden becomes eight because you're not fearing that football being thrown over your head because they just don't do it. And because of that, as good as Herbert's been, as you mentioned, dynamic player, sixth round pick, Virginia Tech, and all the yards I mentioned the last two games, he may not find a whole lot of room to run on Sunday. Yeah, since Todd Bowles has taken over, that's been the, even when even when the Bucks pass defense has struggled, they've still been one of, if not the best run defense 
in the NFL. So I think maybe the maybe the secret there is if you get Herbert the the ball in the passing game and give uh, you know the screen game get get the ball quickly from. They don't even do that, dude. He's got a, like three. He's no, got like no, three no, no. I last, know the last three games. That's why that's the the naggy play calling thing is just is mind boggling to me. And the fact what he was supposed to come in and and offer this team and. I still can't believe that they're three and three. Like when you, when talking about this game, to me, it's like the, the bears are one of the, are near the bottom in, in the NFC in terms of, in terms of being a good football team, but they're right there in the, in the wildcard chase. So um, it's definitely an, an interesting matchup on Sunday and it has playoff implications. But as I was saying, we're getting closer and closer to the trading deadline. And last year around the trade deadline, a lot of, uh, a lot of reporters were asking Bruce Arians if Leonard Fournette was possibly on the trading block. Bruce Arians was asked earlier this week, not about Leonard Fournette, because Leonard Fournette is clearly the number one running back on this football team in 2021. But he was asked about Ronald Jones and Bruce Arians quickly. And I mean, quickly might be an understatement, shot those rumors down and said that Ronald Jones is not going to be traded at this trade deadline, even though there are a lot of teams that that could use a running back, especially a, a Ronald Jones, if he is playing at his peak. Marlon Mack, who I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that that's another name that's still out there as well. Uh, but I'm with Bruce Arians because constantly he has said, and it was the story of this team last year, that they're going to go with the hot hand. And what do you do if Leonard Fournette, who does have a pretty lengthy injury history, if Leonard Fournette were to were to get injured are you gonna hand the ball to Giovanni Bernard 20 times a game are you ready to give Keyshawn Vaughn that type of that type of uh responsibility and while I think Ronald Jones could be an intriguing uh intriguing possibility for other teams in this league to possibly want to give up some kind of draft pick I've said it over and over and over again draft picks don't matter in terms of Super Bowl, and this team is in win-now mode. And even if you're giving Ronald Jones five or six touches a game, he's still more important to this football team this year than a fifth-round pick is in the 2022 NFL Draft. Yeah, granted, but let's not get let's not go overboard and talk about having Fournette carry the ball 20, 25 times because that hasn't happened a whole lot in the first. Or six get get this get him that many touches, which Touch. is it's starting okay. to become more, more like that. <laughs> One game against the Eagles. That was it. That's number one. Number two is whether it's Fournette, and, and barring injury, whether it's Fournette and Jones is gone, or no matter what the running back crew looks like, you know who's who falls on twelve, and they'll mm-hmm. figure it. They'll figure it out. N- certainly not wishing this, but if something were to happen in the in the the running backs on the running backs, as far as injuries are concerned, it wouldn't matter. They would adjust. They would adjust the same way they've adjusted when Gronkowski got hurt, the same way they've adjusted with Antonio Brown not playing this coming Sunday. They will adjust. And because of that, whether it's... I think it would... You don't think... Say they were to trade Ronald Jones and and Leonard Fournette gets hurt. Yeah, you, you need to stop saying that, that, by the way, big... anyway. You need to stop saying that, by the way. Stop, stop putting that out there. I'm, I'm just saying, but I'm just saying like, thing. 
No, 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 no. You're just saying you're just you were you just brought up injuries and you're like, oh, they'll adjust. It's not a big deal. I didn't put it on anybody though. You you keep putting on Leonard Fournette. But I'm saying that's why you don't trade Ronald Jones because of yes, you have two running backs that I think can be number one running backs on this team. But like I said, Jones is valuable to this team, even if he is not getting those kind of touches, because you still have to have depth in the situations with Gronkowski and Antonio Brown have proved it. And they have super depth in those positions. But say you were in a situation where you traded OJ Howard, and then that's why this team is in the situation they are in is because they have that kind of ask yourself. Why the hell would they trade Ronald Jones for a pick right now? The only well, that's way what you saying. Yeah. okay, so that's so then it's then it's not it's not a it's not an issue. It's not a, it's not a question. If you're talking about trading him to help your team for 2021 by gaining something in the secondary, maybe to help to help one of your weaknesses, that's fine. But if you're talking about trading Ronald Jones for a pick. For 2022 or 2023, that doesn't make sense, dude. So that I mean, that's if you're Bruce Arians, that's why you're shooting it down because that doesn't make sense. When it comes to Ronald Jones, he's a key part of this football team. Yes, because of the possibility of one of the running backs. It doesn't even matter who it is. One of the running backs getting hurt, as it was, Geo got hurt earlier in the year. So with that. He's a key piece to this running back room. You're not going to trade him away for a daggone pick. If you're going to trade him away, you're going to trade him away for something I'm that's going to help you. you in 2021. Well, then, I mean, don't bring up picks, dude, because it ain't going to happen. It's not, there's no need. There's I'm no just need. saying, I'm explaining, I'm explaining that's why. If you tell me, if you tell down. me, if you tell me, hey, there's been conversation with where the, the Bucks might trade Ronald Jones to help their secondary. Then we can have the conversation because it's something that can help them in 2021. But they're not going to trade him for. But I mean, are any of the? But as far as the secondary goes, are any of those injuries? I don't think at this point we're expecting any of those injuries to be season enders. We're expecting no. to get those guys back at some point, which is clearly why the, which which is why that I would even be skeptical as far as as far as secondary help, because if you're only going to use that guy for a couple more weeks till you get these other guys back. Which gets me back to the original statement I made. Why are we asking the question about trading Ronald Jones? He's a key piece to this football team for 2021. I think it's just because he's, I I think the question is asked is because if you look up and down the NFL and you see all these teams that need running backs, you look at other teams and you look at teams that have talented guys that aren't really being used that much. And okay. Ronald Jones is one of those guys. So okay. that, so you ask, you say why, but I think the Bucks are in a situation where you say you want Ronald Jones. You're really going to have to make it worth my while. Exactly. I'm five and one. I'm five and one. Those teams you're talking about that need, that need uh, help in other places. And that may, may have a surplus at running back. They're not five and one. My team is five and one. So why the heck am I going to trade Ronald Jones away to help, to help what you want me to help my secondary? Okay, maybe, but as you've already stated, those injuries that occurred are something that, that down the line, week 12, 13, 14, this team is supposed to be whole again. So there's no reason for me to tr- trade Ronald Jones. And besides that, why the heck, I mean, 
I got a talented guy. I'm going to help somebody else. I'm going to help, help, yeah. help another team. You better give me something back to help me for 2021. That's why the conversation for Jones being traded is, is to me, it, it's not a good one. It's a silly one. I think that I think that the conversation, the one conversation that possibly that possibly makes sense, uh, especially if you're going to get Rob Gronkowski back, is OJ Howard because OJ Howard is on uh, an expiring deal. It, yeah, it, 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 he's he's on an expiring deal, and that's a guy that another team. Yeah, so that it is a different situation. But I think if if we're talking about the Bucks being active, being a buyer or a seller come the trade deadline I think OJ Howard is a name that you more look towards than than a Ronald Jones in my opinion that's more realistic okay but even with that here's the thing okay for one you've already you've already put it out there in the atmosphere about Fournette's uh injury history well you know who has one too the guy who plays in front of (laughs) OJ Howard that being Rob Gronkowski. It's already been proven this season. Yeah. So again, why would you trade the guy? Why would you trade that guy that's playing behind another guy who, as you mentioned, has an injury history? Not only that, when it comes to OJ Howard, yes, he has an expiring contract, but he's not even at 100 right now. He's not yeah. playing, he's not playing at 100 right now. So the idea of trading him before his contract expires, that's great. But a, you really don't know what he is as of yet, as much as we've seen the flashes of him, still not 100%. And B, do you know Gronk's coming back next year? Because I don't know if he's coming back next year. No, I'm with you. We've had this conversation before. Okay, on and, because, yeah. and because of that, you know what? I don't want to have to go find another tight end, okay? If I got one right here who's got an expiring contract, who, who I'm mending to get to 100% for a playoff run. And then once this playoff run is here, he's at 100. I know what he gives me. I resign him as opposed to, and look, I can choose to resign him or not choose to resign him. But the bottom line is if, if, if 87 goes away, I need a tight end for 2022. And you don't, and you don't know what type of money that OJ Howard's going to command. If he, if we just take right now, if this kind of pace continues for the rest of the season, nobody's going to be throwing a ton of money at OJ exactly. Howard, which means not only not only do you get a discount in in the sense of you want to come back and play with the goat Tom Brady, but you also get a discount in the the rest of the league still possibly being skeptical not only about how he's looked. And the fact that we, an Achilles injury sometimes is a career ender. Sometimes guys aren't, aren't, aren't the same ever again when coming back from a ruptured Achilles tendon. So there will be skepticism about OJ Howard unless he takes off the rest of this season or he has a Leonard Fournette type run in the playoffs. Then I think you get into a situation where teams are going to be, you know, throwing a ton of money at him. But at the same time, if OJ Howard uh, has a Leonard Fournette like postseason run, then it was more than worth it losing him, losing him for nothing, as opposed to trading him at the trade deadline. True, but also what you have to remember is, as good as Fournette was, what did he do? He stayed right here. So again, yeah. so again, the risk of trading OJ Howard before the trading deadline, with all the variables 
that are involved for 2021 and beyond is not worth it. Again, you're talking about trading him, not you, but someone talks about trading OJ Howard. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's trade OJ Howard for a third round pick, in, or, which you probably wouldn't get, but let's for a future pick. Like, why? Why would you do that with all the things that are that you have going and going on where you have him backing up a tight end who has been getting hurt, backing up a tight end who may call it quits at the end of the year, in addition to the fact that you're the team that mended this guy to close to being 100%. That weighs, dude. You know, we have guys to go somewhere else and, and, get, and, get, and all of a sudden have career-type years. You, we have guys to have those type of careers, career years in your own building. No, and, that's not and, how it works. And like I've said, picks don't mean anything when you're in win-now mode. I exactly. said it about the Rams. Yeah. I said it about the Rams trading for Matthew Stafford this year. The Rams seemingly never having a first-round pick. If you're picking 32, but you're hoisting the Lombardi Lombardi trophy and somebody else is picking 32 for you, that's no sweat off of your back because the ultimate goal of these trades is to win a Super Bowl. So if you reach that goal, who cares about the picks? That's fine. But let's understand something. Let's be clear about something. If you're a team that's reaching the deadline and you trade a player for picks, future picks, Either you're out, meaning for that year, Mm -hmm. and you don't need that player, or you want that player out. You don't want him on your football team, okay? A team that's five and one wants to keep as much depth as possible unless they're going to get something back to help them for 2021. Why would you trade your depth this year for a future pick? That's not how it works. Teams don't work like that. All right, before we get into uh, this weekend's NFL slate and whether you're buying the Arizona Cardinals, since we're talking about trades, let's talk about the biggest rumored trade in the NFL right now. And that is the rumors have heated back up concerning Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has not been suspended by the NFL with all of the the legal troubles he has been in this past offseason, but he has also not been active for any games for the Houston Texans this season. And all of a sudden, after the Miami Dolphins lose to Urban Meyer's Jacksonville Jaguars over across the pond in England, the trade rumors heat back up. But not only do those trade rumors involve the the Miami Dolphins, the team that the Bucs last played, the Philadelphia Eagles, are also involved. And a team that is even more surprising to me than either of those two that is involved is the Carolina Panthers and the Carolina Panthers are the most surprising team to me to be involved as you started off three and up you're only six games into this uh, rehabilitation project of Sam Darnold and you've got a and you're talking about trading for a quarterback that you don't know if he's going to be able to play for you play for you long term and these this three game losing streak for Carolina it's without Darnold's best weapon and best safety valve in Christian McCaffrey. The Miami thing, I, they haven't given Tua a fair shake, but to me it's, it's unless they fire Brian Flores and bring in a whole new regime in Miami, I just don't know if it's going to work out 
for Tua there because it's almost seems like the Dolphins don't want it to at this point. The Eagles is weird to me because the Hurts thing is, I mean, you're only six games into that. And while you and I both have opinions as far as Hurts' arm and you just traded for a guy in Gardner Minshew who you haven't seen if that's going to work out yet, while I love Gardner Minshew, I'm also not comparing him to Deshaun, to Deshaun Watson, but I'd like to see him get a get a shot. It's just the timing of this is is completely – random to me and to me I don't see how this makes a ton of sense for any of those three teams not only because of what they currently have in their quarterback room but also because of the uncertainty surrounding Deshaun Watson well the timing is because we're weeks away from the trade deadline that's number one yeah I mean that's that's the reason why we're getting what we're getting now that's not the weird part for me the weird part is that any franchise would be willing to take a chance on Deshaun Watson with the situation hanging over his head. And you can say whatever you want. Ultimately, we still don't know. And when I say we, I mean fans. And and unless the league's not being completely honest about things... But they don't know either, because if they knew, he'd be suspended by now. Now, if you're one of these teams that supposedly is considering acquiring him, Lord, you better do your home work. Imagine this. Imagine if Miami sends Tua in the package, Tua turns into a Pro Bowl quarterback in Houston, and Deshaun Watson never plays it down in Miami well the 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 talk is and and again it's just conversation that actually Houston doesn't want Tua for Tua to actually be a part of this deal would be a three-team deal and there's multiple teams being involved in the conversation where Tua would end up and again it's just rumor but one of those teams Mm -hmm. is the Washington football team which would put Tua back with Fitzpatrick again (laughs) all over again looking over his shoulder but that's besides the point The bottom line for me is if you're any of these teams considering trading for Deshaun Watson, and I don't care if you give up a third round pick, a second round pick, a conditional pick, whatever it is. Multiple first round picks like Houston Moore. You're not getting that without, without, listen, I mean, that's, that was a conversation before the season started. I get it. I understand. That's what Houston wanted. They're not getting that without knowing without knowing clearly that that guy is going to be taking snaps for you when you get him. And we don't know that yet. So if you're Miami, you're not trading. And if they do, they need to be all replaced. General manager, player, personnel, everyone involved. But if you trade multiple first round picks without knowing that that guy is going to be taking snaps for you, as soon as you get him on your football team, you need to be gone. That's number one. Number two is, again, if even if you trade a, a conditional pick, a la the Carson Wentz deal, based off of how many plays he plays or whatever it is, in the end, you still have to know that this guy's going to be able to play for you. And again, those teams better have done the homework. And I mean all of it. Because it's not one, it's not two, I sound like LeBron, not three, not four, not five. 
we're talking about 20, 21, 22. And you can say whatever you want about it being civil. Uh, bottom line is, it is a cloud hanging over that man's head. And until you know he's going to be playing for your football team, I don't want him on my team. I mean, and especially uh, the Carolina thing is even more surprising to me because they kicked the tires on this in the offseason. Not only did they kick the tires on Matthew Stafford and make an offer for Matthew Stafford, they also kicked the tires on this Deshaun Watson deal. And whether that was because Houston was asking for too much at that point or whether that was, you know, a situation where I don't know if they did, if they've done more research into the Deshaun Watson situation, but you chose to trade for Sam Darnold. And we've seen what this Carolina team can look at while it wasn't, it wasn't against the greatest of competition in those first, in those first three weeks, but what Sam Darnold could possibly do. And the fact that the fact that you're already considering moving on from a guy that you just traded for is, is I, Blows my mind. That, well, it may blow your mind, but here's the thing we need to also remember too. And that is the fact that a lot of this isn't coming from the people who ultimately are paid to make the decisions. When I say that, I mean, we're talking about- Ownership? Yep. And, and watching their teams lose, lose. Okay, think about the teams that we're talking about in regards to being in the conversation- to acquiring this man. They're losing football teams right now. Granted, the Panthers had their little run and they're three mm-hmm. and three, but they are most recently they have been losing and they haven't looked very good. Miami is one and five. Okay, they, they went to they went to London, could have won that game, and, and it wouldn't even matter. What what do you gain from it? You're in a lose-lose situation. Okay, you you they're so, two and four, just like the Eagles are. They would have been they would have been two and four. Yeah. Whoop the daggone do. You still would have been losing. And you, you know what you still would have had? Ownership that is tired of watching them lose. And that, like I said, that's not just the Dolphins, it's not just the Eagles, it's also the Panthers. Yeah, it's just a to me, it's a it's a weird situation and shows how I think we're in a weird spot in the NFL right now where teams are so desperate for that quote-unquote franchise quarterback which Deshaun Watson when he's been on the field in in Houston has shown that he can be that on the field in the in the NFL but I mean you're in a situation with three with three young guys and I think that we're in a stage in the NFL where people are you know too quick to pull the trigger and move on from some of these guys and I know a lot of people who have listened to me for a long time are going to be like, Oh, what about you and Jameis Winston? Completely different situation. I was calling a move on from Jameis Winston when the bucks were picking up his rookie option. I'm not talking about six games in to an experiment with Sam Darnold six games into to Jalen hurts. When you have other quarterbacks that I think can play on your team. And then Tua, who I think has never gotten a fair shake in Miami. So it, to me, I, it, we're in a stage in the NFL where teams are, too quick to pull the to to pull the trigger on guys even like one year or two years like is something like that but six games for Darnold Tua hasn't I I don't know man it's just a teams are getting really desperate and it's not like unless you're the Panthers 
if you're the Eagles or you're the Dolphins, this move isn't going to make isn't going to make you a contender this season. That's not the think. point. That's not the point. Splash, baby. Splash. That's what these Again, it's not it's not player personnel GMs that are clamoring for this. It's the ownership that's watching on Sundays a half empty stadium like at Hard Rock Stadium because your team is one in five. That's who it is. Or it's like in Philadelphia where they're booing the starting quarterback. Or Stephen Ross still the Stephen Ross still the owner in Miami. Yeah, yeah. Why well, you got somebody uh, else running the team? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like I, before, I before I was like. I wanted, I wanted to, I mean, you're a former Miami local. So I would, I just wanted to make sure. So I'm, so if you're Steven Ross, instead of getting on the, getting on the phone and calling for a quarterback who might not ever play for your franchise, why don't you get on the phone with your head coach and tell him to hire no. competent coordinators? No, that's not, that's not how it works, man. Cause you want that, you want that, you want that quick fix and you want people you want people to be talking about your franchise. This just like they were talking about it when it was, the draft when they drafted foot two, it was a great big thing. Hey, see the ticket sales up and all that kind of stuff. And that's what they're looking for. See, that's the ticket what, sales that's would a- be just as up next year if they if they hired Joe Brady or Eric Bieniemy away. Who? There would if who, if who Miami hire? Miami no, no dude if, no dude no negative. You're looking you're you looking think, uh, dude. It's twenty. You think there's twenty plus years since they replaced. Number 13. But with this coaching staff? It doesn't matter. The point is they've been looking for the replacement for two decades. Totally different, dude. Totally different. It's not it's not a head coach. It's not a head coach. All right. We're gonna have to wait and see what happens with just a couple weeks before the NFL trading deadline. Let's move into the rest of the slate. When before I before I ask you what game you're most interested in the, in this weekend, you're buying Carolina Panthers or not? Where am I? Where am I going with? That? I, I I botched it. I botched it. Good you had you. one job, Trey. Good for you. you bo- Good for you. Yeah, I know. You're probably excited that I did that. Uh, <laughs> Good for you. You, uh, <laughs> you buy an Arizona Cardinal stock yet? Stock. 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 My, my finger is on the button. Bye. 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 No, I'm not buying them because they're still not the best team in the NFC. The Rams are better. The Cowboys. Even though they whooped them. The Rams <sighs> are better. The Cowboys are better. The Bucks are better. Still not buying him. And you threw Kingsbury at me like he matters. Dude. I think Kingsbury matters matters as much as Nick Chubb does. You know who matters? That, that quarterback that's that's running for you, that's throwing for you, that makes your offense go the way it goes. That dude is an but a big part that, of that, but a that big part is of that anomaly. is the relationship. Nah, it's the why it's the why it's the why it's the, the spread offense. I'll give him, I'll give Kingsbury that much. I'll give him that much. But anyway, no, I'm not buying them. I just named you three teams that are better than the Cardinals. It's week in and week out. I don't I don't know what the what what it's gonna take to get you to believe it's gonna take it's gonna Arizona. take them. I, let me tell you something. The teams I mentioned too, 
Maybe, maybe the Rams, not so much. But I mentioned the Bucks and I mentioned the Cowboys. You know what they do better than the Cardinals? Run the football. And that's the only way you're going to. for you to go with that. That's yeah. the, that you daggone right. Because you know what wins in, you know in January? Running the football. I'm not buying them until I know they can run the football in January. Especially, you know what? You know what's there's gonna come, man. If these guys don't get home field, and they gotta go to Green Bay or somewhere else on the road, and they take that that flag football offense out there and try to win in Green Bay, whoa, without, that's a that's a bit of an insult. <laughs> without without being able to run the football, good luck with that. Pulling flags. All right, okay, okay, so. We're, we probably won't talk to the listeners before this you know game. Pain, you know how painful it is for me to, to tell you that I think Dallas is, is one of the top three teams in the NFC? That pains me. How many Dallas Cowboy fans I know that just randomly say stuff for the last 25 years? And I'm like, y'all, feel- I'm like, y'all haven't won since, since we started, since Trust we started me. on the especially, internet. Especially, especially people that are – people that are my age and they want to talk about all those Super Bowls. Like, do you even actually remember watching any of those yeah. Super Bowls? I don't care about stuff that happened before you were born. Yeah. Um, but you know, my point but, is, uh, I got to tell them, I said, the last time, the last time y'all won a Super Bowl, we couldn't surf the web. Uh, That's the reality. Uh, okay. Okay, Lynn. We probably won't talk to the listeners before this game happens. I think both of us agree Arizona beats Houston at home oh, no, on man. Sunday. I don't know, man. My man Davis Mills. Baller. Maybe Tyrod Ty gets in the game there, Mr. How much, how much? How much would beating the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night football – you didn't mention the Green Bay Packers as one of those three teams when you were talking about better than I Arizona. Didn't yet. I didn't yet. But if, right. but if, uh, I mean, if you know you're talking about the the division leaders in the NFC, and then you want to throw in the Rams as well. I mean, if if we're going after eight weeks and the Cardinals are eight zero and they've beaten not one but two of those other top teams in the NFC. You got to start to believe if they get that win over Green Bay two on Thursday night next week, right? Well, you asking me or telling me? Because I already told I you. I said a right question. You're not gonna buy. You're not gonna buy into them if they beat the Packers too. No. Why? Why would I? Why would I? Uh, it's November. Why would I buy? Oh, uh, it's, it's October. Why would I buy into them because they want to? They're gonna. Because they want. They're gonna be. They're gonna be in the Super Bowl. Do you realize last they, year? Do you realize last year that the Steelers were ten and zero at one point in the season? Oh yeah. they were ten and zero at one point in the season. Why do I have to buy a team just because because their record in September and October okay. is is undefeated? Well, the, it, they're beating they're beating these teams that you're saying are better than them. In convincing fashion, they've only like, beat one team. I, they've only beat. I cannot understand. I can. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, I know. But you're you're sitting here saying yes, I know. But I'm I'm looking ahead to the to the Packers thing. But I I don't understand how you can conceivably come on here and say that the Rams are a better team than the Arizona Cardinals when the Arizona Cardinals beat them convincingly 
in LA. Are we, go, are we just going to go head to head? Because we can do that all day. There's plenty of teams. I mean, are the Rams better than the Bucks? Right now, yes. I'd say if they if they faced off again, I would favor the Rams over the Bucks. Okay, well, I mean, that's fine, but that doesn't automatically mean you're a better football team because you beat them head to head. That's number one. Number two is I would No, say- I'm not on here. I'm not going to say the Jets are a better football team than the Titans, but that's a that's well that's you a just said that. You, you give me you give that's me a different that's a different that's a different situation. Okay, bottom line is this. I already mentioned to you teams that have been successful in September and October, okay, and have and have won eight games in a row, nine games in a row, and come January, you know where they are? At home. You know what killed the Pittsburgh Steelers last year? The inability to run the football and have to throw the football as much as they did in December and in January. And that's why they ended up the way they ended up, losing the last five or six games or whatever it was. That, again, is an issue. You want to brag to me about the Cardinals winning games in September and October? That's great. I've watched football long enough to know that teams do this all the time. And then come January, they can't get out of their own way. So I'm not buying them. You asked me, I told you, and I'm telling you teams that are better than them. And I continue to tell you the Rams better than them. You want to know why? Because they're a more complete football team than the Cardinals. And they will be in January. All right, Lynn, let's look ahead to this weekend's slate. I've got two games circled other than the Bucks game is the games that I am watching this weekend. One is a team that is stepping up and could possibly be the best team in the NFL if they keep playing like this. It was a guy last week who I called the MVP of the league so far, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. And they're welcoming in the Cincinnati Bengals, who right now are the second place team in that division and a team that took the Green Bay Packers to overtime and it's a divisional game. It's in Baltimore. It, I mean, you talked about how you aren't buying into Arizona. I'm still not really buying into Cincinnati. But if Cincinnati goes into Baltimore and beats the Ravens, I'm going to have to. And then the other game, uh, the game that I think might be the game of the week, is Kansas City heading to Tennessee. And this is a Tennessee team who I mentioned lost to the flipping New York Jets, but then beat the Buffalo Bills on Monday night football. And we talked about all those quarterbacks in. Uh, in the MVP conversation, we got to throw Derrick Henry in there as well. This is a game that could be important for, for playoff seeding, even though I think Tennessee will be seated ahead of Kansas city because Tennessee, I think will win that division uh, because of the state of that division right now with two of the worst teams in the league and the Texans and the Jaguars and the Colts can't seem to get out of their own way. But uh those are the two teams on the ske- two games on the schedule this weekend. Can Kansas City go in to Tennessee and beat that team and reassert themselves as one of the top teams in the AFC? And can the Bengals beat Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and say uh, the beginning of the season wasn't a fluke? Dare I say it? Not really an exciting slate this. Season. No, I'm with you. And. First glance, looking at the Bengals-Ravens matchup, you're thinking in terms of, oh, it's a battle for first place. Ravens win this, Ravens lose this football game to the Bengals, and all of a sudden the Bengals are 5-2 and, and are tied for first place. <laughs> uh, 
But the reason why I'm not excited about this matchup is because I watched the Ravens last week dismantle the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, peace by peace. That's why I said they might be the best team in the NFL right now. Peace by peace by peace for four quarters. And because of that, as as good as the Bengals have been this year, um, I mean, I, I was one of those people that said last week, this time last week that the Chargers were probably the best team in the AFC, if not easily top two, top three teams. And then they went out to M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. And, and again, they got plucked, plucked. And because of that, I, I, I can't see the Bengals going into M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore and having any more success than, than the, the Los Angeles Chargers had. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Bengals are a talented football team. But there, there is something about the Ravens at home and how the defense plays at home, no matter who's on the field for them. I mean, they got like 16 guys on IR and they're five and one. Crazy. And, and, and Sunday in the game that I just mentioned that they took apart the Chargers, Lamar Jackson was adequate. He was okay. He wasn't like he was the week before where he had 500 total yards. He might have had... 220 total yards against the Chargers. They didn't even need him. That's how complete of a victory it was for them. So, yeah, that that Bengals-Ravens game, as good as it looks on paper, I don't know how good it's going to look on Sunday. As far as the Chiefs-Titans are concerned, there's a thing about the NFL, especially even at home, and I know the Titans are not traveling this weekend, but – there's a thing called Monday Night Letdown. You get that big Monday, yeah. night, that big Monday night win, and ha ha he he, you're bouncing around before you know it. The weeks, the middle of the weeks, here and it's Thursday, and you, oh my God, we're gonna play Patrick Mahomes this week. <laughs> we gotta play the Chiefs. But then again, I'm not defensively when it comes to the Chiefs. I'm not really sold on them. I'm not even gonna say it again when I when I say about that defense. But offensively, I watched them last week against the Washington football team, seal a game through the air. You can't win like that in the NFL. You got to be able to run the football. And even, even them on Sunday, five, five minutes left in the game, they needed a drive, and they got it, thankfully, but they did it strictly by throwing the football. It's like they can't even run it. And so because of that um, – I wouldn't be surprised if your man puts up a 200 on, on Sunday, that man being Derrick Henry. As much as I mentioned the letdown for the Titans as a team's concerned, you think the Chiefs defense is going to stop Derrick Henry? 6'3", 245, 1-4-4? Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> and, and the thing about it, too, is most folks watch the whole game. Because if you're watching the first half, you're thinking, oh, he's only got, he's only got 30 yards. Oh, he's only got 50 yards. That's not how Derrick Henry works. He's constantly coming at you for four quarters. And before you know it, that second half is here. And it's just like a big one. And it's just like getting hit in the, it's like getting hit with a jab in your face in boxing. Okay. You go 10 rounds and eventually all those jabs start hurting. And that's the same thing when it comes to Derrick Henry, he gets his 30 carries. And by the 20th one, you're spent. He's just getting started. So I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up 200 on Sunday versus Chiefs. Those are the two games other than Bucks and Bears that are most exciting to me. I'm with Lynn, not the most exciting slate 
this weekend in the NFL, a couple of good teams on a bye, the Vikings who are on a good streak and the Bills who just lost to the Tennessee Titans. We will be back next week to see if uh, Lynn is buying stock in the Arizona Cardinals just then. <laughs> I'll just ask him just to, just to, get, just to get angry Lynn going. Uh, and then we'll be, we'll be back to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and them facing Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints on Halloween. That is all next week. Until then, follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810. Follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. Follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation and check out BucksNation.com. Until next week, this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.